This week's episode is going to be all about the current and future applications of natural language processing in business. We're partnered with Nuance Communications on this particular series. In fact, this entire month is going to be focused on NLP, and Nuance is the partner that we worked with. This started actually somewhat recently. For a long, long time, our goal was simply to grow the audience. You know, about 18 months ago, we were maybe getting two pitches a week to say, "Hey, can we get in front of, you know, your audience somehow? Hey, can we find a way to promote this or promote that?" Uh, and I, I felt uncomfortable with promotions. I felt uncomfortable with sponsorship. I had another business growing, which we sold, which gave us very healthy runway for tech emergence. Didn't really need the the near term capital, um, and so just decided as a habit to turn everybody down. Once we hit a hundred thousand sessions a month,、uh, which we've now been at for quite some time, with a very, very focused sort of AI-oriented business leader audience, which is extremely challenging to find. These are the kind of people that pay thousands of dollars for conference tickets on AI and run important departments that are aiming to leverage these cutting-edge technologies. We got to the point where maybe we were getting three or four pitches a day. And there were some companies that were interesting, some companies that were cool, some companies that had something interesting to say, and we decided to find ways to partner with these firms that would be a win-win.、Um, I listened to too many startup audio shows where somebody gets on the beginning and say, "This episode is sponsored by whatever you know website builder software. They're the best. Go check them out with this discount code."、Uh, I I don't really feel comfortable doing that. What we decided to do is find companies that have the academic cred and the industry experience of really applying AI, and create content that would benefit our listeners, and find ways to promote that instead of hyping and pretending to have a value judgment on a particular product, which we cannot do because objectivity is what sort of steers the ship here at Tech Emergence. It's really kind of like the the saving grace and what differentiates us and why people listen in. So Nuance and Tech Emergence have partnered for all of February. All four of our episodes in this month are going to be about natural language processing, and this episode we went right to the top at Nuance. So we're speaking one on one. This is actually at the AI World conference, which I had a panel on and did some interviews at、uh, in Boston with Vlad Sejnoa, who is the CTO at Nuance. So we went as high as we could go to talk to Vlad about what is currently possible with NLP and business. Business, as well as where is the future of these technologies? Nuance is doing a lot of interesting work in automotive, doing a lot of interesting work in healthcare. They've been in healthcare for many years. They have eight thousand employees. They're probably the largest, best known、uh, NLP company currently, which is why I thought they'd be a good start. Again, we want people that can bring value to our audience.、Um, and so I speak with Vlad about what is currently possible today, but also looking ahead, maybe five years in automotive. What is the vision for how voice will be integrated into a car experience? How is the audio that you communicate with in a vehicle going to tie back to Alexa back at home or to other technologies that you use? And how is the car as an experience going to change with thanks to NLP? Same thing with healthcare. What's the future vision? How is the work of a doctor really going to be augmented? Not in an airy fairy. Oh, what maybe could be possible? You know, if I watch enough episodes of the Jetsons, kind of imagination way. But in terms of what Nuance is really focusing on, what they see as the paradigm to shift into for healthcare, what does Vlad see as sort of the reality to shoot for there? 
this is a company that's marshalling a lot of resources in that direction, has to be thinking about the future dynamics that could change. And so I really tried to rattle Vlad's brain as much as I could to shake out not just, again, what's possible now, but what those future paradigm shifts will be in both automotive and in healthcare. And we put together some content on this episode uh, that goes into much greater depth. So what makes this episode different is for this entire month, we partnered up to create a longer piece on the custom URL for this is emerj.com slash NLP. That's emerge with a J, emerj.com slash NLP for natural language processing. And that particular article is a full-length piece exploring current and future applications of NLP in business, as well as a short sort of glossary of terms related to NLP. It's not a technical article. You don't have to be a PhD to understand it, but we've made it extremely rich. And this is the big sponsored piece for this month, where we've integrated a number of case studies of NLP being used in real hospitals uh, for Coca-Cola, for BMW, and all kinds of other companies, so that business leaders like yourselves, who are tuned in can have a a richer resource to sort of point to from this actual episode. So we extended this into something uh, quite rich and meaningful that I'm pretty darn proud of and and happy that we got to be able to put together as kind of a first big podcast project. Again, we wanted to work with somebody we thought could bring a lot of value to the table. And this this larger NLP piece at emerj.com slash NLP is sort of the extension from all of this month's episodes into a very cool sort of reference piece on the possibilities of NLP in business. I think it'll be eye-opening, certainly more tangible, hard numbers on business ROI than, than probably any other longer piece of its kind that we've done thus far, certainly in the NLP space. And so I, th- I hope it'll be very valuable for folks. So without further ado, we're going to dive in with Vlad, the CTO at Nuance Communications on the possibilities of NLP in business. Vlad, where I figured we'd start to kind of tee up the conversation is the categories of applications of NLP in industry today. You guys are working across a whole bunch of different sectors. If we look at sort of the buckets maybe of kinds of applications that NLP sort of powers within companies now, how would you categorize those in terms of most popular? Understanding language is really kind of central to the current flourishing of artificial intelligence and its applications it really unlocks a lot of value in many different environments. And maybe even more importantly, allows us to control increasingly sophisticated systems and machines and applications themselves. And just a few, I think, areas of success currently, the plethora of business analytics applications, and they typically Mm. rely on some sort of machine learning, maybe deep learning, that try to extract value from all sorts of data and most often language data. These might be recordings of calls between customers and call center agents. You as a business owner would really like to know what's being discussed. Are people happy? Are they not happy? What are they responding to? And it's becoming more and more possible to mine those corpora for all sorts of information, either looking for specific events that you expect to see there or kind of a bottom-up clustering analysis when you want to go in and say, what's the most prevalent topic that's, that's happening here? Another really, really exciting area is in healthcare. And my company, Nuance Communications, is particularly active there. And we apply some of these natural language understanding techniques to understanding medical reports. So when okay. doctors and patients meet and have a conversation 
we are then able to take the resulting report, it's generated by the doctor, analyze it, understand the medical facts, in some cases help the doctor make the report more precise, uh, that improves quality of care, improves the reimbursement rate for the hospital. We can populate electronic health records uh, automatically. The second major area besides these predictive analytics or data intelligence, yep. if you call it that, is conversational AI. And that umbrella term spans really all aspects of virtual assistance. So these aren't systems that simply extract value from existing data, but they allow you as the user to interact more effectively with a variety of systems, whether it's customer care or the virtual assistant that is increasingly being built into a car. Cool. And we'll cover a couple different categories here. I'm going to see if I'm going to be able to put the right labels on these, then we'll talk about them individually. So you mentioned sort of in the call center context, we could think about that as a customer service type application, but I imagine it could be sales as well, right? You might want to understand the sentiment in response to you know, the first pitch or the rebuttal or something like that in terms of repetitive elements of a sales call. So that could probably go both ways. Are there other aspects of phone conversation analysis, probably the same thing for email, right? I mean, you know, it's just a text version of kind of a conversation. Does that mostly cover what's going on there in those kind of applications? Or are there others that kind of fit under that same umbrella, if you will? I think those are the important ones. And of course, customer service can involve a uh, transaction or, or mining of information after the fact, or enabling your customers to obtain useful information more readily and more automatically. One area that's receiving a lot of focus right now is to be able to answer your customers' questions directly against semi-structured data. So most enterprises have information repositories, whether they're policy manuals or FAQs or documentation. There's a lot of information locked up in those. And sometimes they're not even available to your agents. So wouldn't it be nice if your agents or the callers or people accessing your website were able to get at that information directly? Got it. And so this could be for the consumer themselves, or this could be, I imagine, for the person in the call center to instead of have to kind of think, what is the response to this technical problem? Have the FAQ pop up because we've detected that this is what's happening in the conversation. Here's the context to carry this conversation forward, or here's the sales script to carry this forward. Is that correct? Precisely. And I think that's actually a very important area of AI, which is this interaction or collaboration between the AI and a human. So it's really kind of an intelligence augmentation or amplification. And you will see more and more systems where the first request is intercepted by the AI that attempts to resolve it, but that there's a human in the background that can assist, or conversely, the AI is assisting the human who's doing the task. Yeah, or maybe both within the same flow. But I, I definitely like the augmentation idea. It seems like probably everybody is sick of the, well, let me talk to a manager and put you on hold for 15 minutes you know, for every question you ask. And I guess the the golden ideal here would be, can we have frontline people who it's their fourth day on the job, just answer all the darn or 90% instead of 70%, can we get to 90%? Can we get to 95%? seems like that's what the, whether it's customer service or sales, seems like that's a lot of what augmentation is aiming at. Is that a correct assumption? Yes. Yes. Okay. You know, one way of looking at AI, and this is maybe at a higher level than you're asking me about, is to view it as as following two vectors. One is the attempt to make it more and more intelligent, more human-like, and more capable. 
And that's a hard task. Sure There's is. progress being made, but it's going to be a while before we get general human-like intelligence. The other vector might seem more modest at first, but I think it's maybe as important, if not more important, certainly in the near term, that is the proliferation of existing AI technologies. One way of illustrating that is if looking at healthcare, for example. So wouldn't it be great if we used our AI to allow every doctor in the country to have access to the best information about the best treatment for your condition. So we're not inventing new treatments here. We're just making sure that the, call it the playing field, is more level. And that is, I think, a very near-term, very practical example of augmentation of intelligence. We're cool. making every doctor as good as the best doctor in the country. And, and this is, at least in, in terms of you know what they can access and what they can hopefully bring to their patients, this is clearly augmentation different than customer service or sales in terms of the bucket we put it in the bucket here tell me if you guys have a better name for it would maybe be discovery or information access in terms of understanding language within those documents and saying okay this person has this kind of cancer this kind of genetic profile is there research about treatments other than the generic one for somebody who sort of has this sort of medical history and then i I suppose the idea would be can we just pull up those medical reports don't make me read all 170,000 of them that were published you know last year about oncology just give me the ones that matter is that the kind of use case yes and you know calling it uh, information access maybe is too modest a term because it's a very contextually driven informed access it's it's really kind of diagnostic assistance in, in some way okay and one of the applications we build involves a radiologist creating report while he or she is looking at an image and as the report evolves RNLU understands what's being said and automatically is able to retrieve diagnostic guidelines from a database uh, that's that's compiled by the American College of Radiology. And so as you were there creating this new report, up pop diagnostic guidelines. This could be that. Have you considered X? Got it. So this is, again, it sounds like um, the discovery part is one part of it, but what you're articulating, and obviously guys do a bunch of work in healthcare, is more of a assistant type application for healthcare in a broader sense. It's not just access to relevant research that could maybe be seen as its own thing that could fit in a bucket, but what you're saying is ideally that would be paired with something that could also augment our roles in, in other ways, such as what a doctor is recording or things like that. So this fits into, I take it, a suite of sorts. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, so diagnostic assistance seems to be sort of the name you have here. And you had also mentioned something in, in healthcare, which might be interesting to touch on. And maybe there's applications or ways to extrapolate this beyond healthcare, because I know we have plenty of healthcare listeners. We have folks in plenty of other spaces too, around data entry and clarity. You know, doctors putting together a report after they treat somebody, and maybe we can sharpen up this language to make sure we reimburse. Maybe we can sharpen up this language to make sure that other doctors can make sense of it later, that it fits within terminologies that make sense uh, you know, broadly in, in the medical space, or maybe even can be used to fill in some of that information just based on some other things that a doctor does. When it comes to data entry and clarity, can you put some color on maybe what that looks like in the real world, you know, in an actual example somewhere? So in the medical example, yeah, sure, um, yeah. the report is evolving and our system will uh, periodically issue clarifying questions to the physicians. When you said this, did you mean that or this other thing? And it has to be done according to very strict rules so we are not making inappropriate suggestions. But we do flag areas where the doctor could clarify and reflect on what he or she uh, is saying. In terms of helping doctors and just streamlining the delivery of care, there's another, I think, aspect to it or another dimension 
and that is really kind of scaling up the services. And a very interesting area, which is quite successful, is understanding medical images directly. So there are now already a number of radiology image understanding systems on the market. We also contribute algorithms into that space that can look at uh, an X-ray or other forms of imaging and say, well, here's a suspicious lung nodule and look at that. This is interesting because I don't think about this as an NLP issue generally, right? I think about this as machine learning, deep learning, but of course, it sounds like maybe there could be descriptors and context added to these images that would have to involve language. But I guess just the cancerous or non-cancerous, here you go. Look, here's here's three images. Tell me, cancerous, non-cancerous. So where the NLP is coming in is the next step, which is it seems very likely that over the next number of years, we'll be able to go directly from understanding an image to generating a draft report in English or whatever language. Oh, okay, and okay. I'm sure you're familiar with some of the work that's been in the press about automatic image captioning. And yeah. So, yeah so, Microsoft and others, I imagine you guys are working in that domain. That's right. That's right. So you can build deep neural nets that are able to take the image in and output English language or other languages. Yeah, the man is playing soccer, the boy is on the bicycle, whatever. That's right. And so this is now being applied to medical imaging as well. And so the idea is to create a draft, which the radiologist would then review, amend as necessary, or simply okay. And this, again, increases the volume of information that body of physicians can process. Cool. I don't have a better term here than natural language generation or report generation. I don't know if that's appropriate. You let me know. Sounds like, all right, getting ahead, not on that one. That's good. The expert says thumbs yes. up. Those are the appropriate terms. Clearly, I would imagine, and in terms of gripes that I hear at healthcare conferences, which are among the more popular sort of AI industry specific spaces that we play, the manual recording of stuff, everything that's involved with HIPAA and compliance and whatnot is a grinding obnoxious factor in a lot of doctors' lives, just sort of like all the checks and balances and boxes and descriptions. And clearly sort of AI being able to help there would, would be handy and useful. You did talk about that particular application more as as in it is a goal to strive for, that the goal would be that we could draft a report that maybe a doctor could edit and save time. Is that idea of drafting a report based on, okay, this person's medical record, some reading and understanding of that language, these images and a diagnostic of this, pumping a report, generating language out the other end, is that still a little bit more like a two or three year time horizon? Is it maybe a little bit longer? It sounds like it's a goal to strike at, maybe not something we're at now. Is that a, is that appropriate to say? I think that's correct. I think a lot of the building blocks are coming into place, but the synthetic vision is what we call medical ambient intelligence. And so you could be the doctor, I'm the patient, we're having a conversation. That conversation is being listened to by an assistant with permission, of course, yep. is being transcribed, is being understood. So the system knows who's speaking. It's able to apply natural language understanding to our utterances using medical vocabularies and medical NLU models, it creating a structured report out of the medical facts, then added to electronic health record. There could be post-processing on that. For example, there could be deep learning-based analytics running in real time saying, this patient is now at increased risk for renal failure. As an assistant, it also allows the doctor to ask questions, retrieve information, order up new labs, make the next appointment. The whole idea is to really kind of smooth over all the onerous 
documentation and interaction. That That's they, the right word I was looking for. Yeah, I was yes. saying frustrating, onerous is the right one. So I will get to the future vision stuff. You mentioned ambient intelligence as kind of a paradigm you guys are shooting towards. Again, some of this is a bit aspirational, things we're mm-hmm. moving closer to. I do have a whole section I want to be able to kind of dive into forward looking. If we look at data entry as it is today, assuming the technology was kind of frozen, which of course is developing every day. You guys have plenty of researchers in this country and up in Montreal where I was working on these kind of problems, San Jose where I visited you guys as well, cracking on moving things forward. But if we look at just where data entry or clarity is being enhanced by NLP in the field presently, you know, December 2017 at the time of the recording, what parts of that are maybe possible at present? I think people are dying to know, you know, could this save time currently somewhere? As I said, a lot of the building blocks are are already in place. So accurate speech recognition is obviously a precursor. If you don't, can't understand what's being said, all else is moot. Yep. And there we benefit from a lot of the work we do in another business of ours, which is automotive business, where we've had to perfect speech recognition in the car cockpit in noisy conditions with multiple speakers. And signal processing that we've developed in that context involves multiple microphones that create a beam that's steerable by software that can target you versus others, lots of other bells and whistles of that sort. So we can now get pretty accurate transcripts. The assignment of meaning or tagging natural language understanding of the resulting text, that's quite mature as well. So we have deployed systems in healthcare that, for example, do this clinical document improvement or computer-assisted physician documentation, which is this real-time monitoring as the report evolves. We can assign billing codes automatically. We have developed virtual assistants. That's this conversational AI we talked about earlier for other applications, which are fairly sophisticated. So it's a matter of putting this together and fitting it into the medical the healthcare workflow. So it's itself unobtrusive yep. and non-onerous. And, and we will get to that kind of farther out vision as well. You'd mentioned an area where you guys obviously are pretty well known being able to understand language when it's spoken, powering applications, that kind. Automotive. I actually, for some reason, and I clearly don't know all the dark corners of Nuance's business, but wasn't aware that that was as big of a sector in terms of audio, you know, people know your dictation product and whatnot, right, from a consumer level, but that that was something you were doing in industry. Are there other areas where picking up the voice are sort of relevant in business? I think when people think about audio, they say, okay, well, Google's going to want that for search and Amazon's going to want that for Alexa, but I don't know if that fits into other industries, right? It feels like a broad, like the big tech guys will do like speech stuff, but maybe that's where it stays. In terms of other areas where it really is actually making a difference in industry, maybe outside of, again, the Amazon and Googles of the world, you mentioned automotive. Are there some other interesting spaces where hearing a human voice correctly is an important part of a business you know, process uh, right now? Well, maybe a couple of examples. So a very hot area for us right now are smart TVs. Cool. Uh, okay, yeah, go on. To control your programming or entertainment system entirely by voice, and there are a number of success stories. I'll share some more information with you afterwards. Cool. And maybe this is a little different, but the area of security, uh, voice biometrics, yeah, is on, also growing very quickly, and we have been building uh, voice biometric security systems for a variety of banks, financial institutions, where they are part of multi-factor evaluation and fraud detection. Cool. Okay. So this, and maybe I imagine the smart TVs, the entertainment stuff, probably that fits if we look farther ahead. And even if you guys aren't in all these sectors, sort of fits into the broader smart home consumer environment stuff. You know, TV entertainment system, I think, is 
a good example probably of low-hanging fruit. People are sitting there. There's a, a way that they interact with it that's pretty consistent and coherent. Also, security. Now, if I'm getting the right idea, you know, you're mentioning multi-factor. Maybe there's facial recognition that's going on there. Maybe there's a password. Maybe there's certain questions, personal questions that are asked, but maybe it's also can you read this sentence? And then we have a sense of whether this is you, whether we unlock this door, give you a password, wherever the case may be. Am I on the right page Yes, here? yes, okay. exactly. So those things are also in there. One other thing I wanted to touch on before we look a little bit to the future, because I know that you guys clearly are thinking about where you're going to fit into industry as it evolves. We'll dig into healthcare in a minute here as well, because I know that's a focus area. I wanted to just touch briefly here on you know our call center example. And I imagine, again, whether this is email, whether it's phone, Sales customer support, lots of robust applications there. Probably everybody listening does sales and customer support. Really hard to get past that. Maybe not everybody deals with medical records or everybody does sales and customer support. You mentioned two things that I thought were curious, kind of clustering to find patterns that maybe humans haven't identified, and then also being able to search for what you want. My guess for the latter would be something like somewhat obvious thing like, can we look at general customer sentiment rating? by call center agents. So we can say, are there some people that are just pissing people off? Are there some people that are making people happy? And is that correlating to maybe what their results are? And AI can maybe pick up on that. That's us looking for something directly. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, that could be an yes, example. That's a good example. The clustering idea of coaxing new patterns forth, what might come of that? Where does that come into play in industry from your perspective? You might want to track what is the biggest concern amongst yeah, your customers, yeah, okay. something that you didn't anticipate before. Something pops up, either it's a product problem or a competitor has released something and people want to know what you're going to do about it. Broad variety of possible uses. Cool. So maybe not even something that you decided to search for, but you just say, all right, well, give me you know, problem topics in the last seven days and, and mm -hmm. show me how maybe that compares. And then you could say, whoa, well, you know, I never even asked for this specifically, but that's nice to know because now this is new insight. So sometimes maybe more broad searches of that kind that maybe aren't even inherently defined, that could be kind of the value of these sort of things. That's right. That's okay. right. Cool. I think that makes it understandable for the folks tuned in. You know, my guess is with a big enough client, you know, maybe somebody who has a, a trucking business or something, they might be able to figure out, okay, just by clustering, we might be able to say, there's a, a greater cluster of this particular problem or complaint in this geo region. We'll say, why is the Northeast continuously having, you know, there's no weather problems. Why are we getting these kind of complaints at a way higher level? We need to talk. That's to right. That's right. And notifying people. People are calling in about delays in this particular region. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. And, and so I just wanted to double check that that's what you guys, I guess, had intended by this idea of clustering, bringing new patterns out of existing data. Looking to the future, you know, we can paint the picture on healthcare too, and I'll see if there's any other sort of paradigms that you guys are moving towards. We find that companies and executives that are focused on where they're going to fit into the future of given industries often have a vision of how things are going to be and going to be better and where they see themselves fitting into that. Just looking at healthcare, you mentioned this sort of idea of ambient intelligence in healthcare. I will say, you know, from my perspective, man, is that such a tough, weird place to like sell into and fit into with all the different stakeholders and all that very complex domain, but clearly a lot of ability to maybe enhance things with artificial intelligence, paint the vision of what you would hope ambient intelligence would look like within a healthcare environment. Starting with unobtrusive acquisition of information and in a way that doesn't require additional work. So that initial interview or the ongoing interviews between you and your doctor are the source of a lot of information in addition to labs and 
physical exam. So why not capture that information at that point? So the AI should know what the doctor has learned at the same time. Yeah. It should create a great paradigm here, a great model to keep in mind is when we wonder where do we want to go with AI, think of a really good human assistant. What would you want that person to do for you? Nice and frame. in what ways would you want that person to behave? So that person is probably in your proximity so that he or she can keep track of what you're up to and what you're discussing with others and remembers that, stores it in some way that's useful to you and retrievable later, is able to respond when you make a request to them, understands when it's them versus others. Yep. Now, importantly, is your intermediary to a lot of other services. So your assistant is not also, you know, the best lawyer and the best doctor and the best mechanic yeah. and the best travel agent. However, that great assistant knows a really good lawyer and a good mechanic and a good doctor. And if you have a request that requires those specialties, they connect you. They're your interface to the outside complicated world that's nonetheless rich with services and content. And so this is your digital interface to an increasingly complicated but feature-rich world, opportunity-rich world. Yeah, this opens up a whole different can of worms. I like that idea. I'm definitely going to follow down that road a bit uh, because I think it's a compelling vision for just where language understanding could take technology broadly. Within the healthcare space, it sounds like a really interesting thought experiment, maybe for people listening in in healthcare or not, is you know where could natural language become really valuable? Well, where would a really valuable human assistant be valuable? And maybe a doctor would say, well, when I'm having a conversation, they would in real time be transcribing that and doing the report because I don't want to sit down for 15 minutes after I already learned it and just write what I learned like I'm in fifth grade. I want somebody to just have done that. Okay, cool. So that's a And that's they a do good that, by the way. So many doctors now use human scribes who yeah. follow them around. Oh, really? And it's okay. very convenient yeah. for the doctor, but it's not a scalable oh. industry. And it's not scalable. It's, it's probably not the most fulfilling, you know, just to be a scribe. I mean, it's not 1540 anymore, you know. It's not a noble task to be a scribe. That's an odd thing. So I imagine not only is it maybe not the most fulfilling, unscalable thing, as you said, but also probably not all doctors in all hospitals can have one. And so this is not something that could be ubiquitous as technology maybe could. So, But that is one good example of what would I like to have a human just following me around and be able to do for me when I need it? One of those things seems to be the transcription side of things. And that's maybe the thought experiment of what would I want a human to do would be maybe some of your most fruitful ideas of good business problems for how to, what to get AI to solve. Within healthcare, other ones that you had mentioned that maybe fit into the ambient intelligence paradigm are, I'm treating this patient for this kind of disease with this kind of profile. I want my assistant to find the relevant medical literature that I may want to dig into either after or maybe a little bit with the patient. I don't want to go searching for individual key terms. I want them to bring me what could be useful. Is this another example? It is very much part of the holy grail or part of the vision. Got it. In all of these discussions, I think you've been correctly very careful to distinguish between what's possible today and what is the definitely, vision. Definitely. And finding patients like mine is one of the one of these sort of organizing ideas. goals, ideas, okay, okay. but it's a few years out. Performing analytics on an existing patient record is quite successful now. Cool. Improving medical documentation works today. Tying all these pieces together, the medical workflow, ironically, is challenging just because the medical environment 
business. The systems yeah. are very heterogeneous. <laughs> yeah. We hear a it's lot a good problem. It's a good problem. And I, I've been reflecting on this uh, during this conference is there's a great proliferation of uh, deep learning algorithms and toolkits. But what really ultimately matters is picking really good applications, applications that attempt to solve a meaningful problem or value proposition yep. that's, that's measurable in some ways, where the technology seems to be sufficient for the type of problem you're taking on. There are many sort of smoldering wrecks of startups that were too ambitious. Right? Yep. Third, where you have a chance of embedding the new technologies into existing workflows. And fourth, where you have adequate data to train these uh, machine learning systems up. And so I think the most successful companies and builders of AI are ones who get that right. That's an interesting framework to think through, too, because I think maybe there's other startups tuned in and execs of companies who ought to be thinking through it in that way. But even business users who know they're going to need a vendor at some point might want to kind of organize their thoughts along those lines before they start willy-nilly picking, ooh, we should use AI for this. They should also exactly. Exactly. go through the exact same factors. Some people might want to Zip, in a, in a number of years, some have said that AI will become like electricity is today. It'll, yeah. it'll, it'll really kind of pervade our universe. And that's true. But the way to get there is to be very thoughtful about picking these high value, likely to succeed application areas and building from there rather than going horizontal early. Yep. I, and I think we've almost sort of seen the maturity in the market already. I mean, our, our business in the San Francisco Bay Area is kind of being embedded in the startup world. If I look back two, three years ago, I think there were more like, we're going to be like the base of AI. For There was a lot of that. And now there's a lot of, we handle this one use case for this particular kind of sales thing. And here's exactly and how we, we do it. it. Well. So it's gotten right. tighter and tighter mm -hmm. and tighter in terms of the kinds of companies getting funding. So hopefully wisdom there, I think, is trickling into the rest of the market. You touch on one compelling idea I want to kind of hit on very briefly, and then I'll go into my last question. So we've only, only got about two left here. The one that you brought up, which I didn't even have in mind, but I wanted to go into, was this idea of an assistant that would be the connector to the other intelligences and other information around you. I was on a panel not that long ago where someone had brought up the idea that people aren't likely to, and I'm in no way uh, knocking Amazon, but people aren't likely to want to go through Amazon or through Google for all of their personal needs because these are companies that have incentives to do other stuff. You know, ideally in the Amazon world, whatever you're buying is Amazon white labeled uh, mm -hmm. because the mm -hmm. margins are good. Whatever, you know, you're doing through Google, maybe it's sort of the people who are paying for advertising or maybe it's exposing you there too. And I'm not saying either of those companies are bad companies. I'm just saying incentives are incentives and people are aware of this. I think calling a company evil is a very tough thing to do. I'm just thinking it's a sticky issue. People may want to have within an industry or, or just as consumers, the ability to tap into an intelligence that's theirs, that gets them, not in the context of buying, not in the context of finding restaurants, but in terms of them, and then plugs them into what they need. Do you see this to some degree where this assistant world is taking us? Maybe you apply it in consumer, maybe you talk more in a specific B2B domain, but give me your thoughts as to whether or not that's a valid track. You have touched upon a really central issue and one we feel very strongly about at Nuance, and that is interoperability of AI. And the idea really uh, was first, I think, articulated or most recently articulated by Tim Berners-Lee in his seminal paper on the semantic web, late 90s. And the idea is that you have your personal agent, and that personal agent goes out 
on the web and understands what all the services are out there and what they can do because they advertise their abilities in some machine understandable form. And then your agent interacts with those on your behalf. And we are now seeing that actually emerge in practical ways commercially today. And first, it's happening in the automotive space. So we work with most of the major car OEMs who are asking us to build a virtual assistant that's connected to the brand, so a BMW or an Audi, so forth. However, they understand that their drivers, their customers, might have other assistants at home, an Alexa at home. And so we build semantic APIs or interfaces that allow the car assistant to interoperate with those other guys, as well as a host of other content sources and mm. services, whether it's Parkopedia or OpenTable or Yelp or Navigation Got and so it. forth. So you're driving along, you're talking to your car assistant, and then you're saying, arrive home and say, open the garage door. And the car assistant understands that that's a service it can handle, but it knows who does connect to your home Alexa, issues the command in the right language, happens like magic. And we think that's part of the conversational AI pipeline that's really necessary to make these things truly useful. You could see how that's a hard problem because there's like this Frankensteining effect of all these things getting plugged into each other, right? Where you have to have them communicate in the right language. Like you said, when someone says, open the garage door, if they don't say, Alexa, open the garage door, there has to be some context that this is the system through which this task right. will be achieved. Right. And right. there has to be kind of a delegation there in context. But maybe sort of the idea of this magic, you know, you speak it and it comes about, maybe that can't happen unless, because it's unlikely that one company will nail every use case, booking hotels, restaurants, garage doors, making toast, you know, whatever. And so interoperability would maybe be inevitable for that full magic experience. I think it but has definitely to a be. hard one, definitely a tough problem. It it's like. maybe closer and easier than you think. Hmm. So the semantic API that we have built for this purpose essentially keeps a list, a catalog of available services. You can register new ones. It understands what they can do, and it understands in what language it has to speak to them so they understand it. And it, when you make a new request to your virtual assistant, and we understand what it says, this layer then says, who can fulfill this and how? And you as the user can also specify your favorite source. You could say, uh, give me the news headlines. And we go off and do it and say, no, 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 I want them from the New York Times or I want them from the Huffington Post. So this gives the end user more flexibility and control. And you don't get locked into somebody's yeah, one particular garden. Exactly. I think that's the big concern. Just to touch base on current availability here, it sounds like the in-vehicle world is a lot of where you guys are focusing and you work with a lot of OEMs there. Is it possible now, if I'm in an Audi or whoever you guys work with, to say, buy me another gallon of whatever, like a washing machine detergent or something, and have that from the car get piped through? Or is that maybe a little bit in, into the future in terms of communicating with Alexa? Where do we stand on this stuff? You're going to start seeing systems of that sort coming out over the next year. Cool. Okay. So this is, it's near term. Very near Maybe if this went live today, they might not be able to say it to their car. But what you're saying is it's not going to be long until you're ordering stuff maybe on your way home. The auto space is actually really exciting for us. So the auto industry has gone very rapidly from sort of a uh, plodding rust belt era 
yep. place to an incredibly fast-moving, innovative, consumer electronics-oriented mentality. It's been really interesting. And the yeah. car OEMs are among some of the most innovative and far-sighted customers that we work with. And it's doubly exciting because we now view the car as the preeminent AI platform. That's so a, That's a bold statement. That's Go a bold ahead. statement. Go ahead. It's, look, it's an increasingly autonomous robot whose job is to take us around, right? It has really impressive onboard computation capabilities. People are now putting GPUs into cars. It has a plethora of sensors. It's aware of what's happening around it. And it's now also increasingly aware of what you're doing. For example, a lot of cars are going to be tracking your gaze to know where you're looking. So all this provides amazing context to the AI brain. It's aware of the world. It's aware of you. It can listen to you. It actually sees you. It knows what you're doing. It knows where you're going. It has computation on board. It's increasingly connected to the cloud for all sorts of other services. And the use cases are compelling. Today, you know, your eyes busy, hands busy. But even with autonomous driving, the role of the car will change. It will not be merely transportation. It will be our navigator, our co-pilot, our DJ, our mobile office, our concierge. And we think you'll be able to tell your car what you want to do, not where you want to go. Huh, I, want okay. to, I want to go home but stop at a flower shop along the way. Figure it out. Yeah. And we can already do that. Yeah. I, I want to go home, stop at a flower shop. By the time I get home, I'd want to have tacos, be there already, or whatever, and just be able to API out to whatever else is going yeah. on. And it's a nice little captive environment too, you know, audio-wise. It's a nice little captive environment. No one has to take anything out of their pocket. They're just there, and speech is the way to yeah, do it, right? They're there, and you can be talking to the system while the music is playing, while your fellow passengers are talking, and they could be talking to their assistants at the same time. And we have an ability to tease the audio out through all of this. Yeah, that's definitely its own problem. And I imagine, again, you guys are trying to figure those things out. The last question I wanted to dive into as we wrap up here, which I think is going to be interesting for the audience, certainly for me, audio-wise, NLP-wise, language-wise, Nuance is maybe sort of the oldest company best known in that space. You guys have seen all the different transitions and focusing on however many dozens of industries that you guys are involved in. When you look ahead, maybe to an industry or maybe to a type of application like customer service, email support, or phone sales enablement, whatever it is, application or industry, and you look at half a decade in the future where you think NLP will become ubiquitous. Right now, it feels cutting edge. Even Siri, although it's frustrating, we kind of feel like, oh, that's kind of neat, kind of novel. Eventually, this stuff will just, like you said, it'll become ambient in some regard, but it won't become ambient all at once in all places. In what domains do you think NLP will actually no longer even be special? It'll just be baked into tech. What should business people know about kind of the almost inevitable transitions of this tech? So for NLP to become ubiquitous in terms of conversational applications, it has to get a whole lot better. Today, these systems are pretty good at handling one command at a time. Get me the weather, show me the stock price navigate here. To take on more meaningful and valuable tasks, they really have to be able to converse. When you ask this illusory human assistant we've been talking about to do something, you don't tell them a sequence of 50 things you want them to do. You want to tell them, hey, I want to go out to dinner with so-and-so after my last meeting on Thursday. Take care of it. And a little negotiation starts. The assistant says, here's some possibilities understanding what your calendar is, when the last meeting is, the availability of the person, hard, availability yeah. of restaurant, comes back with a plan. And then you review it and you maybe amend it. 
we are working very hard on those components that are needed to make that possible. And I think over the next two, three years, you're going to start seeing systems like that come out. And that's going to broaden the number of applications that will suddenly become possible. Because the number of applications today that can be solved via a single command, they're limited, right? Yeah, buy me dish detergent. Right. It's pretty, pretty, pretty You're narrow. Done. Thank pretty you. Narrow. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. If you have a more complex customer care problem, it's not going to take one round one of a dialogue, touch. right? Yeah. Yeah, fixed. <laughs> so maybe this is the way to put a cap on it as we, as we close out. In order for natural language to become a part of many more facets of what we do in terms of buying, going, doing, entertaining, what have you, the core tech sort of has to level up. And again, in the next two or three years, you guys seem optimistic that that'll happen. And when it does, when single commands can be taken in context, it sounds like you feel as though when that starts to get cracked, the crescendo might occur in terms of where else people could open up that can of worms and allow new things to go down. So maybe that should be kind of an exciting time to keep an, an ear to the rails about is, are these machines picking up better on context? Can I get more done with one mm-hmm. sentence? Maybe that's a good barometer for where the heck progress in NLP is. That's right. Cool. Well, okay. Put. Nice way to frame it. I'm glad I didn't totally botch that one. I'm, I was trying to distill your ideas into one take-home message. It sounds like that will work. Good job. Nice. All right. Very By good. By the way, summarization is also the next thing we're I'm tackling a good, with I'm a good, natural language. I'm a good manual summarizer. So <laughs> until you guys crack the tech, I can follow you around. All right. Excellent. Vlad, thanks so much for the interview, brother. This is great. You're most welcome. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode focusing on NLP applications in automotive, healthcare, and more uh, with Vlad of Nuance Communications. Next week, keeping with our theme of NLP, keeping with our theme of both text and voice understanding in machines, we speak with Tomas Garcia Oliveira, who is the CEO of a company called Phrase uh, or Phrase.io, who focuses on the applications of AI for content and content marketing. So when it comes to writing articles, when it comes to research, when you're putting together a piece, when it comes to summarizing other sources online that you don't want to have to scroll through five pages of to get the general gist, how can AI save writers and editors time or just business people that need to communicate quickly and don't want to spend too much darn time on research? Uh, That's next week here on the AI and Industry Podcast. And remember, this entire month, Uh, We partner with Nuance Communications to put together a big, big piece on the basics of NLP and business. The URL there is emerj.com. That's emerge.com slash NLP. So if you go to emerge.com slash NLP, uh, you can see the full layout of current and future applications of NLP and business with case studies. This is to say hard numbers. What percent of customer support tickets were able to be handled by NLP systems? What kind of results were garnered for sales enablement or customer support uh, across various industries? A lot of case studies collected into one broader piece, as well as a quick glossary of terms on NLP and business uh, that business folks should understand if they're looking into these technologies or just want to sound a little smarter at a cocktail party. So that's emerj.com slash NLP. And again, next week, we're going to continue with the same theme of looking at how language in machines is going to be useful in the future uh, when we speak with Tomas of Phrase, 
about the applications of AI for content writing and content marketing. So that's it for this week. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or leave us a comment or feel free to just message me on LinkedIn. A lot of the time after people get back from their commute or get to work from their commute, uh, they'll pop me a note, let me know things that they like, don't like. I almost always have two or three different LinkedIn conversations going on at once uh, from listeners. And that's actually where I get a lot of my best lessons about next future topics. It could be fun and valuable for the folks tuned in. So feel free to reach out. And otherwise, I'll catch you next week here on AI and Industry.